Welcome to the Real View podcast, where Ohio realtors connect you to innovators and influencers, keeping you with the real view of real estate. Whether you're a broker, agent, first time home buyer, industry leader, or just happen to stumble upon our podcast today, you can expect to hear tips, tools, tricks, interesting information, and so much more from the experts in Ohio's real estate game. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Real View Podcast. I'm your host, Allison Wiley. With me today, we have three very special guests. It's always fun when I get to talk uh, to multiple people on one show, and it's going to be a blast today because we're going to dive into this world of residential PACE loans and what that means. Um, we are going to go over, and here to discuss it with me is Don Boyd. He is the VP State Government Relations and General Counsel at the Ohio Bankers League. Jay Pasco, he is the executive director and COO of Ohio Mortgage Bankers Association, and our very own Beth Wanless, who is no stranger to the show. She has joined us multiple times on the podcast already. She is the director of government affairs here at Ohio Realtors. Welcome to the show, you guys. Thanks for joining me. Thanks. Great Thanks to be for here. having us. Yeah, and we and we kind of brought everyone together because this has been an issue that has kind of formed a coalition around it. And there have been numerous uh, groups around the state that have joined forces with us and the Bankers League and the Mortgage Bankers Association to really tackle on this issue. So really going to be great to hear from you guys and hear your perspective kind of on what we're dealing with um, in regards to these R-PACE loans. But before we dive into things, I just want to get started for those of our members um, who may not know uh, what these R-PACE loans are. And you guys have heard about this. If you were at the Realtors at the Rotunda Day back in April, I know Beth gave a great rundown and explanation of what these loans are. We also have posted this on our website and throughout our social media for the for numerous weeks now. You can still find the article, the op-ed that was written with some of these coalitions. That is still up on our website. So if you guys want to learn more information or um, really dive into this topic, there's so much information out there that Ohio Realtors has put out, and I'm sure Jay and uh, Don has put out as well. So a lot of information out there. But Beth, why don't you kick us off with just letting us know what exactly are these loans? Hey, no problem. So residential PACE loans, or R-PACE, or PACE stands for Property Assessed Clean Energy. They've been around for a long time. Well, I guess it's not a long time, but about 12, 13 years. They were born from the Obama White House. So in 2009, the White House released some policy framework to help local governments create this PACE program, or Again, property assessed clean energy. <clears throat> Shortly after that, um, I think just a few months later, um, Ohio passed a law to allow for these ESIDs or energy special improvement districts to exist. And that's where the, the PACE loans can be used. The PACE loans allow property owners to finance certain you know, pretty expensive energy efficient property upgrades or improvements. And those include energy efficient windows, HVAC systems, roofing, insulation, solar panels, water conservation systems, and quite a bit more. So the loan is then added to the borrower's tax bill, property tax bill, and it rests as a priority lien ahead of the mortgage lien position and any other liens on the property. So uh, Ohio does not have this program statewide for residential PACE. I think only three states right now have that as a statewide program, and that's California, Missouri, and Florida. So 
you may be wondering, does this apply to homes and commercial properties? And yes, it does. So Ohio does have commercial PACE or CPACE, and it really works pretty well. And our members do utilize the PACE uh, financing for commercial property upgrades, but really the residential PACE has not rolled out here in Ohio. So that's, I think that's a pretty decent overview. Jay, Don, do you guys have anything to add? I'll let you go. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Jay, and thanks, Beth. No, I think that's a pretty good overview. I mean, we'll get into some of the problems that cause for both our industry and yours regarding how these operate in practice, how they're sold and all those types of things. But as far as the fundamentals of how it works, I think you've covered it pretty good. I agree. Yeah. And you would, you would think, you know, this, this, this sounds, you know, you know, great. You know, we, we, we are very focused on sustainability here, you know, any, um, you know, loans you can get to help you make kind of those changes in your homes. It sounds like a great idea. And like you mentioned, Beth, we've seen some success in it um, in regards to the commercial sector. But when it comes to the residential, um, there are definitely um, some concerns. And I know we wrote in our op-ed, the, the title was residential pace loans too good to be true. And that's kind of, you know, my perspective on it. I'm like, this sounds great. You know, why wouldn't we want to do this? But um, there are, in fact, some some major issues of concerns that we have with these loans and in this program. Um, why don't we just dive into it and start, you know, going over some of the major issues that we have um, with these loans? Beth, do you want to start from from our realtor perspective? You know, kind of what are some of those red flags that we're seeing with us? Sure, sure. And, you know, I'll, I'll kind of start off by saying these programs, again, have rolled out. The residential programs have rolled out in California, Missouri and Florida. And unfortunately, the programs have not worked or been implemented appropriately. We've seen a lot of fraud and abuse and predatory implementation or sales, I guess you could even say. So in Ohio, we we actually have this coalition of a very diverse group of members. And I won't name all the names, but we have, of course, Ohio Realtors, Bankers League, Mortgage Bankers Association, Credit Union League, Ohio, which stands for the Coalition on Homelessness and Housing in Ohio, uh, the Fair Housing Center, Greater Ohio Policy Center, Ohio CDC Association, and I mean, there, there are many more, and we all kind of joined efforts and said, you know, this is not working very well in other states that have implemented this residential component to the PACE lending program. So what can we do? You know, what is going on? Um, and we've been having meetings for quite a while, um, just sort of talking about what we're seeing in other states and, of course, the PACE administrators as they're talking about coming here. I wanted to mention that John Oliver actually put out a, a clip, it's about 22 minutes long in October, talking about residential PACE financing. And that's something, I mean, I don't get all my information from John Oliver. I want to be very clear on that, but it really did provide a good overview of what this program is and just some of the really scary problems with it. So, um, <clears throat> I mean, we have multiple problems as far as the realtors go. We think it's potentially predatory the way some of these PACE contractors uh, go door-to-door in uh, vulnerable communities. So maybe communities that have older homeowners who may not be aware of what they're signing up for. Um, we think that's you know inappropriate and predatory. Um, there also is a lack of disclosures required under this program. So again, you have maybe a vulnerable um, homeowner who is just not, frankly, they don't understand what they're signing up for. And then next thing they know, they have, you know, new windows, which are great. 
they have a new roof, they have maybe new flooring, all great things. But next thing they know, they have a, you know, $75,000 tax lien on their house that has to be paid off before their mortgage. And their house may be only worth like $80,000. So there are a lot of other problems. I'll let my colleagues uh, from the Bankers League and the Mortgage Bankers talk about those. Then we can just sort of talk, you know, through those. There's, like I mentioned, there are a lot of things that are red flags to us. So yeah, go ahead, Don. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Beth named off the coalition. I would say that anytime you get all of those folks on the same side, which doesn't happen very often, it's a a very unusual day, um, especially just given the the coalition that's working together on this. So yeah, for us, I mean, the, the biggest issue that we have a lot of similar concerns that Beth has talked about regarding the disclosures and just lack thereof, but the biggest issue for our members um, is the, the priority lien position. And so the fact that these can be put on a home at any time after a mortgage or a second mortgage or a home equity line of credit have already been provided to a homeowner. And then these come along and jump all of those previously recorded mortgages and liens in priority um, causes a lot of problems. And I mean, there's the, the normal problems that you would think of as far as we like our first position and want to stay in that first position. But there are a lot of other issues for how these would operate in the secondary market. So Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac will not purchase a loan from one a mortgage from one of our members if there is a PACE loan on or PACE financing on that property. So that tightens up that secondary market for mortgages. Um, we're not able to pledge these as collateral if we're looking at trying to get banks get loans to and get financing and all those types of things from federal home loan bank or other uh, sources such as that. So as far as the secondary market, it causes a lot of issues for us. And anytime you, we, we have to hold on to some of these mortgages that we would otherwise sell into the secondary market, it tightens up our ability to lend going forward. And so it can really have a constricting effect on the mortgage market in Ohio. The other thing is, FHFA, the Federal Housing Finance Agency, who oversees Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, um, did a request for information right before the pandemic hit in 2020. And they're taking a very close look at these because of the risk they introduced to the the system and to the enterprises, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And they're looking at a variety of tools as to how to take, how to appropriately price these into the market. So they're looking at things about, such as reducing the loan-to-value ratios, or increasing the loan level price adjustments for states that have these programs in place. So all that to say is that can further constrict lending in a way that's not beneficial to Ohioans and especially not to low to moderate moderate income individuals who may already have trouble getting access to financing to begin with. So those are kind of the broad strokes of where we have some significant concerns. And then um, we can talk about some of the disclosure issues and all those types of things if you want, but uh, I'll toss it over to Jay if you have anything to add. Well, both Beth, Beth and Bob really did, um, Don, excuse me, have really good points to point out on the issue that that mimic exactly what the Mortgage Banking Association uh, has questions on. And what I keep coming back to and my members coming back to is if this program is such a good program to roll out, why are we now still 12 years after it has been rolled out, only three to four states 
implementing it. And most of the other states, I, I know that Florida and California have both significantly rolled back yes. uh, the implementation of this program because of the concerns that they have. So there's that issue. And then there's the issue of qualifying the homeowner for these loans. This is an issue that the realtors deal with, loan officers deal with. We have to be trained and licensed to be able to qualify someone for the loan that we're giving them. We have to go through this extensive training. And as a mortgage banker, you have to do eight hours of continuing education every year to get your license. These individuals selling these loans have no requirements on this. They sell the loan. That loan is then put out to a contractor who never had any part of the say of how that loan was written, what the contract was, what the, what the qualifications were, what the promises were made to the homeowner. And then they come in and do the work now no one's holding their hand up and saying, I'm responsible if there's a problem down the road and the homeowner has no recourse. So why are we allowing this sort of practice to go forward that puts the housing market at great peril um, to have another 2008, 2010 crisis on our hands? Right. And, and I again, the other question is, if this program is so good, all we're asking for in our in our push for legislation is is guidelines, is some regulatory system. And if they're so great in what they do, you wouldn't have a problem with that. That's a great we, as we as 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 the mortgage industry learned from our mistakes in 2008 and 2010, and we accepted what we needed to do to make changes protect homeowners going forward. That's all we're asking for. That's a great point, Jay. You know, it's, we're, this is a largely unregulated industry here in Ohio. And like you mentioned, the three states that have this statewide residential PACE program, they have significantly rolled it back in the fact that they've passed several bills to put, you know, framework and guardrails up to protect consumers. And even after those bills have passed and they've implemented those changes to protect the consumer and the banks, still there are problems that exist and that are quite pervasive. Going back to some of the concerns that the realtors have, we have, you know, the FHA, VA, and the GSEs, Fannie and Freddie, they don't back these mortgages. So <clears throat> if you do have one of these PACE loans on your home and you are interested in refinancing to get a lower rate, you're probably going to have to pay off the, the PACE loan. And th these PACE loans can be really, really high. So it really would strap a homeowner from seeking out you know, more affordable financing options. And the problem doesn't stop there, of course, because then if you go to sell your home, that really throws a wrench in everything. A potential buyer can't use these government housing programs to finance the home because they won't back a mortgage with an, a, an R-PACE lean. So it really does throw a lot of questions into, you know, the, the lien placement, you know, how much are these loans, why there are no guardrails or regulations in place. So like you mentioned, we're just trying to kind of bring attention to it. In addition to our realtors, you know, our licensed real estate professionals here in Ohio, 
we we have questions about where this disclosure comes up in the in the purchase process. You know, are you going to find out way too late in the game that the property that you're selling with your client has this lien on it? I mean, that could really mess up transactions pretty significantly. So we have, of course, those disclosure concerns related to when you learn about this PACE loan. And then, of course, we agree with everything that the mortgage bankers and the bankers league are saying, you know, it's it's an important part of the industry to have mortgage availability. And if this is just kind of messing with it too much, it could be a disaster in a few years. So... This episode of The Real View is brought to you by the Ohio Association of Community Colleges. Ohio's network of community colleges provides accessible training that accommodates the busy lifestyles of aspiring real estate professionals at half the price of a traditional university. With convenient locations in every part of the state, as well as online options, Ohio's community colleges are your smart choice for pre-licensing education. For more details or to start the journey to a real estate career, Visit the education page at ohiorealtors.org and then click on the pre-licensed course locations. Just and, wanted to add that in. And it really kind of, you know, puts a, a strain on our realtors. You know, as you mentioned, our, our professional licensed real estate um, agents that we have here. Because, I mean, this is just going to be another, like, a, a lot that they're going to have to deal with. I mean, the, the realtor will be the one responsible for explaining this several times over, over the li- life of a loan. And, right. you know, that this could lead to an interruption or cancellation of a home sale, like you mentioned, Beth. And, and it could really become a burden on our realtors and something that, you know, all you realtors out there listening, you know, need to be aware of and, and need to know, you know, if something like this comes up, you know, how you are going uh, to be impacted by it. What advice, Beth, kind of would you give maybe to our realtors if this comes up in their job, if if they are, you know, in a position where this is in front of them, what should they do and, and what advice or perspective do you have for them on that? Well, thankfully, we don't have residential PACE financing here in Ohio. There was a pilot program that existed or exists in Northwest Ohio. I think there's less than 100 of these properties that have a PACE, residential PACE loan. Again, commercial works really well. Obviously, the commercial property owner seeks out this financing, whereas uh, you know a contractor goes door-to-door in neighborhoods trying to sell stuff to homeowners. So it's a much more sophisticated program. And there's also a more sophisticated property owner, not in not saying that, you know, disrespectfully, but it's um, a commercial property owner knows they want to engage in this and they know the risks involved. Whereas a homeowner who's not told anything about this program and may sign up for an $85,000 project that becomes a priority lien, they might sign up for it on an iPad. So very different scenarios for residential and commercial, but we're, we're working right now to just bring awareness to the legislature um, and to policymakers across the state, just to educate them, on, educate them on this. And luckily, we don't have to try that hard because I think some people see some red flags with it, some legislators who understand this industry, um, the real estate industry, the title industry, the banking industry. So we're really just trying to educate folks um, and then seek some legislative changes eventually that will put guardrails in place to add disclosure requirements. I mean, multiple things, to be quite frank, that will protect consumers, realtors, and banks. Don, Jay, I'll pass it over to you. I know I've talked a lot. 
Yeah. And I think that, I mean, one of the things for your members, I mean, I think that folks can be caught off guard with these types of loans and the fact that they're going to need to pay them off just based on how they're sold, the method that they're sold, the lack of disclosures. Because I mean, this is a complex financing tool that most people don't fully understand. It takes all of us a little bit to wrap our heads around it too, once you get into it. And I mean, once again, you have folks going out and uh, discussing this complex financing tool with homeowners that may not have been trained to do so. And so they may be trained as a contractor and not anything disparaging on that side. They just don't have the same training. I mean, generally we have a lot of handy bankers, but I don't want them putting a roof on my house either. And so it's kind of stick to your lane in what's going on. And so that's, that's obviously a concern. The fact that they're basically saying they're self-regulated and they're self-imposing certain types of disclosures, I think is, is problematic. I mean, banking industry, one of the most highly regulated industries in the world, we get examined by our federal regulators and state regulators frequently, multiple times a year on different issues, including consumer compliance. And the fact that they're saying, don't worry, just trust us. I swear we're going to do all of these things is just concerning because the there's not a whole lot of indication. They're doing things like ability to repay. They're doing things like no before you before you owe, all those types of things that people really need to fully understand the transaction that they're entering into. And so that's where there's a lot of concerns that just keep bubbling up on this from a host of different issues. And I mean, at, at the end of the day, I mean, they should be subject because these operates in a much similar way to a home equity line of credit or a home equity loan in certain respects they should at least be subject to the same regulations that those types of financing products already are. There's a model out there for this to make sure that people understand what they're entering into. So why not just apply it to this as well? And if, and if I could add, you know, the fact that they tend to, not always, but the people that tend to sign up for these are low to moderate income homeowners. Those, those in the upper classes can afford to do these improvements without these sort of loans. So then you end up in a situation where you've got a home now that has had all these improvements that when it, even without having to pay that loan off in the first place as a first priority, that home will no longer qualify or no longer has, will meet the average of a, of a mortgage in, a, in valuation. So you've got a home now when, when you go to do the assessment and the valuation on it will not qualify based on the houses around it that never had these improvements done. So now you've got a home that, that won't appraise at the value it needs to in order to sell it because of this loan that's part of it against houses next door that haven't had this done. So the homeowner is going to lose even if the more the priority lane is moved down. That homeowner is still going to have a problem selling that home down the line because it because the appraisal won't come in at the right at the right level. So that's another concern that we have as well. So there's just so much that that this the intent was good. It's the execution that was not thought through, and that's Unfortunately, the way the government tends to run quite a bit of the time, the intention is good. It's just not thought through. And that's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to say no. We're trying to say, 
have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? What are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? Yeah, and I love that you said that, Jake. This this isn't, you know, necessarily a bad thing. You know, if we are able to make kind of some of the changes, implement some of these policies that we've been discussing, you know, if we're able to really, you know, take a good look at this and really be thoughtful and plan the rollout of this program in the way that we're trying to, you know, that it can be a really, a really good thing. And I think one of the things too that, you know, we just want to start with also is consumer education and just really educating, you know, future homeowners, legislators, um, our realtors, Jay and Don, your members, um, just starting with that consumer education, what do you guys think is most important that that consumers and some of these groups, you know, should know about this loan on a bit, very basic level? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just under, understanding what what is happening. I mean, as far as this being a tax assessment, because the way it's being talked, it's just a, it's sometimes being talked about as a government program. It's sometimes talked about as zero down, being able to do things along those lines, and so when typically you're going to have to pay off most liens before you sell your property or that's going to get baked into the cost, all that type of stuff. But someone may not be expecting to have to pay this off just because all of those lack of disclosures and all those things that we had previously talked about, they may not understand exactly what's happening. They think they have 20 years to pay this off. They decide they're going to sell their home in five, not realizing they have to pay off the full amount. And so that's one of the big problems. I mean, the biggest thing I would say to consumers is make sure you understand the the terms of the financing, how this is happening, how it could affect future transactions on the property, and really shop around. I mean, looking at some of the rates on some of these things that are being offered, I mean, I think that one of the the products that I've seen out there in other states, they're averaging about 8% on some of these loans with a 3% origination fee. And so at that point, um, I talked to some of our bankers the other day, and they're looking at, at basically offering a home equity line of credit at prime. And so that's three and a half percent right now, maybe up to prime plus one, which is four and a half. So there's a lot of factors in this where not only are there a lot of issues with the program, at the end of the day, it might just not be a good deal or the best financing product for some of the consumers out there. And so those are the big things that I would say for consumers to be aware of. Make sure that you're double checking this. Make sure you're you're shopping around and checking those terms and know what you're going to pay over the life of the financing. And I think if I could interject it is if we simply change the terminology from loan to assessment, right. that would raise a huge red flag to any homeowner because that changes the whole dynamic. You understand. You, like Don was saying, when you think about a loan, you think about it over a period of time and that you can pay this off when you sell the house in you know, the traditional way that a mortgage works. This is not a loan. This is an assessment. The loan goes to the company that's selling this product. It doesn't go to the homeowner, which is why it's a tax assessment, because you, you got to pay it back to the state. And so by changing that terminology in and of itself from a loan to assessment, you would reduce the number of people that would actually take advantage of this simply because they don't want to raise their taxes. So I I just got a HELOC last week and we locked in 4% and that's to make some home improvements to our home. So there there definitely are products out there. Um, We certainly don't want the residential pace program to be 
targeting people who can't get a loan and don't have the ability to pay it back. I mean, that's not good either. So there definitely is a happy medium or a place where we can put in some guardrails and protect, you know, the public um, from some of the predatory practices we've seen in other states. We certainly don't want that here in Ohio. And that's why this, you know, coalition of groups who typically don't work together that often. I mean, we do, but it's, you know, this is a pretty diverse group for us all to be in agreement that, you know, we got to watch this program and make sure that we don't have problems in Ohio like Missouri had. And I wanted to point out the ProPublica report that focused on Missouri and they found that there were considerable problems there in that state. And they found that minority homeowners were disproportionately targeted for these residential based loans. And they were also paying a larger share of their home value towards the R-PACE um, interest and fees. And all, and in some cases they were paying more than their homes were worth. We want to avoid that in Ohio, of course, you know, we're, we're believers. The realtors are believers in creating generational wealth through property ownership. And if you have one of these loans um, or one of these assessments on your property that really straps you, it serves no purpose to you as the homeowner. So we're, we're watching out for this program and working together with the coalition and legislators and um, you know, even some of the PACE administrators because we want them to know our concerns and we want to ask them some questions and we want to be open and, and honest with everybody involved. Are there any other states that you all are aware of that might fall into this category similar to Ohio that are thinking about adopting some of these but haven't necessarily implemented it yet? Are you aware of any others that are like that? Oh, no. This has been a battleground issue in a few states. I know Minnesota has really done a lot of work on this and and really kind of reined in what would have been a program there. I know there's been a lot of talks up in Michigan to our north on this issue. They don't have a program now, but they've been, some of the administrators have been pushing to get a program there. So it is it is kind of popping up here and there, um, talking to some of my peers across the country on this. Yeah, I was just, I was just curious. And then I kind of want to wrap it up with one last thing. You know, there are other programs out there that exist that can help with some of these energy efficient home upgrades that may be a little more beneficial and, and friendly um, to our homeowners out there. What other programs exist out there and how can uh, we learn more about those? Well, I mean, I think the HELOC is a great tool, especially since rates are so low. I know we were talking about this program through the treasurer's office, Ecolink, that is an interesting program. I know, I think those are probably the two, or I mean, the HELOC is probably the most prevalent, but I'll defer to the bankers, the banking experts on this one. Yeah, I mean, some of this is outside the banking realm, too. I mean, there are some federal programs, some grants, some things along those lines that might be beneficial to at least check out that are low-cost or lower-cost options than this would be, especially for uh, low- to moderate-income individuals who may be looking to try and make some improvements to their homes. And then, um, obviously, the Home Equity Loan Credit, the HELOC or Home Equity Loan, is another mechanism to try and do some of these things that Um, maybe a better option just based on rates and things along those lines. And Allison, this is part of the education that I think we we all take very seriously in our our individual organizations. We don't, as mortgage bankers, have complete knowledge on all these. Bankers League just said that, the realtors. But we, we try to educate ourselves. And so it's the homeowner should always ask, and we will do our best 
to make sure we get them pointed in the right direction because we want this to be the purchase of a home or or rebuilding a home or, or renovating a home to be a good experience for the homeowner because we want to see generational wealth created. We wanna see home ownership increase. And so we're doing our part. We recognize we've got to educate ourselves on this as well. And it's something that we do on a, on a continual basis. So while we can't give you all the different programs that are out there, it's something that we need to educate ourselves on to make sure that we are giving the right information to the homeowners. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's great. And then what a, what a great way to kind of wrap it up with that. Do you guys have any last things before we end it here today? I actually want to give a shout out to the realtors across the country. I don't think people, or I don't think our realtor members here in Ohio have are in on the secret, but we have several hundred government affairs directors who work for various state and local realtor associations. And we have a pretty tight knit group. We have a couple of uh, platforms that we use to communicate with, you know, Facebook being one of them. And I have gotten so much incredible information from my realtor colleagues and staff colleagues across the country, especially in Minnesota and California. You guys have been awesome. And so I just wanted to give a shout out to them and you know, let our members know that we really are working together to, you know, serve in their interests and protect homeowners and consumers. So good job, realtor team. Yep, absolutely. We're, we're here fighting for you guys. Um, this is definitely um, on top of mind for us. No bill number at this time, but hope that you'll support reforms to protect homeowners. We'll keep you posted if and when anything uh, comes up further on this. But Beth, Don, and Jay, thank you guys so much uh, for joining me today. This has been wonderful. Uh, thank you for your wealth of knowledge on this very important topic. And to all you listening, uh, we hope you learned something here today. I know I did definitely go uh, do some Googling, check out our op-ed that is on the Ohio Realtors website. You can view that there um, and learn more about this. You know, like like we mentioned a few times, just education is, is the most important thing we can do right now. So um, thank you guys for joining me and thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you next week. Hi, thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Allison. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Real View. That wraps up today's episode. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at ohiorealtors.org slash view and on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Have questions, comments, or suggestions? We want to hear from you. Email us at podcast at ohiorealtors.org. We'll see you next time.